as um, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3 today. And as, I'm, as you're going there, if you want to look at some of these pictures that we have scrolling, look at that. John loved it when I took his photo. He was like, I just can't wait. Just would you please take my photo right now? Um, these are pictures of us. That's the best I got of you, Deborah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wanted to get a shot of everyone. And I was like, oh, there's Deborah. And that was it. I should have said, you know, turn around and smile or something, but it's all right. She was praying, so that's good stuff. Um, hey, that's Dr. Shields. I want, to take, I want to make sure I got a picture of her for all of y'all. So as you're praying, you can put a face. Well, she's gone now. There's, there's her back, actually. Um, you can get a picture of her. Yeah, anyways. There's, you see Anna photobombing kind of back there? That was awesome. That was my favorite picture. <laughs> um, but anyways, we went to Mitchell Nielsen on Friday. No, Wednesday. <laughs> Seth and I have this issue sometimes where we just, like, you know when people start talking, you take off on a plane and you have no idea where it's going to land. You just are talking. That's when you realize you talk too much. When you just start going, you're like, it's Friday. Wait, no, it wasn't Friday at all, was it? Um, on Wednesday, we all met there at 5 o'clock. Apologize to everyone for the kind of early start, but that's all we could get. Um, I know a lot of y'all have to work and don't get off till 5, 6 o'clock or something like that, but um, they closed the school down at 6, so um, that's as early. So we will continue to do that. Uh, we went through the school. We prayed. We prayed in the library for a little while. Uh, we got to walk through the halls. They opened us up. to. We got to go into all the classrooms or, and into Dr. Shields' office and wherever we wanted to go. We just, she just opened the, uh, opened the floor up. She actually walked around with us and talked with a bunch of us and different things like that. She was incredibly grateful and even sent me an email the following day uh, just telling how grateful she is and giving some opportunities for us to serve which we'll talk about. Greg, you can share that later, can't you, Greg? All right. Wait until I preach this amazing sermon that gets everyone ready to go do something, and then we'll give the opportunities to serve. Humble myself. All right, Jonah chapter 3. I'll just briefly, before we just dive right in here, you get that? This is a well of a book. I don't know about you. Okay, uh, before, we, before we get into the scriptures, I do want to mention, just kind of really quick, tell the stories, like this the highlights of what's going on if you haven't been here, or if you've forgotten some of the story here. Seth is doing a pun to Jared right now. I know that's what he's doing. I've taught him well. Jonah gets this call from God, right? God says, I need you to go, and I want you, you go speak against the people of Nineveh. Which, what was he speaking? Was he speaking candy canes and lollipops, judgment, destruction, like God, God's justice is coming down and it's not good for those who are on the other side, those who are doing evil. And guess what? Nineveh was an evil city. So guess what? His call was, as we're going to see, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. Like that was, it was a tough calling that God had. And this actually plays out like, like a comedy. It's almost comical how Jonah does exactly the opposite of what he should do. For the, like, you almost got to sit back and go, are you serious? Do you ever do that about yourself sometimes? You can laugh at yourself. You know that, right? Like you can go, that was just ridiculous. That was absurd. What was I thinking, right? That's kind of the thought that you get as you, as you read through this, especially when we think through and we realize that not only is God doing this for Jonah, he's also showing an illustration of the people of Israel and how Israel was called to go and to be a light into the nations and go into the nations and care for the nations. And they continually 
failed to do so, it was almost comical the way they would run away from what God's calling was instead of run to God's calling. And that's what Jonah does. He runs completely away from God's calling. He's like, I'm going to get as far away as I can. I'm going to get away from the temple. I'm going to get away from the presence of God. I'm out of here. And as he does that, he finds himself on a boat, and as Greg mentioned this last week, with a bunch of pagan Gentiles. He doesn't want the Gentile, he doesn't want those pagans saved. And yet he's sleeping in a boat, and God uses him to save a whole bunch of pagan Gentiles who call upon the name of the Lord. Isn't that, I, I think God probably just smiled like, there, take that, Jonah. You think you're going to, you think you can get away from what I'm telling you to do? <laughs> and Jonah's got a bad attitude, and God's still using him. God can still use us with bad attitudes. He would prefer good attitudes. But don't cancel yourself out because you have a bad attitude. Um, it's a reality. He finds himself thrown overboard. He finds himself swallowed by a fish. I have no idea how horrific that would be. Um, uh, yeah, I will stop with the fish puns. But it had to be. It would have to be. It have to be pretty bad. Um, now I've got myself messed up. In the belly of the fish, you get to see Jonah's cry. Now, there seems to be, as we're going to see here, some repentance from Jonah, some turning. But I don't think he's com- God has got him completely, uh, he is not in the spot that God really wants him to be because his heart isn't totally repentant. And we're going to see this as the story progresses, that he still has no heart for the people of Nineveh. He's just like, gosh, if you, God, if you're going to throw me overboard and swallow me by a fish, I guess I'll do you know, what you tell me to do. But uh, I think Greg made a, an incredibly good point that I think one of the, the cruxes of this whole story is that, I'm going to read very quickly in chapter 2 where he says, I called to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and you heard my voice. That idea that there was this death that had to happen to Jonah in order for Jonah to participate in, in God's mission. And this theme is actually all throughout the scriptures. Like, there's this theme of God wanting to renew the earth and there having to be a death that takes place before. Like, if you look at the flood, what happens there? There's literal death, actually. There's figurative and literal. Like, God's like, I need to renew the earth. We're heading in the wrong direction. So that death takes place so that renewal and righteousness, Noah, the preacher of righteousness, could actually come and do that. You see that in people's lives. Like, Joseph, like, dude gets thrown into a freaking pit. You know what I mean? Like, he's down in the pit and, like... And he's sold into slavery. He's thrown into jail. Like there's this death that takes place. But after that, God is, 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 brings forth this, this renewal. I mean, he was used to save the, <laughs> save the Egyptians. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. was that yeah so mike was saying for those who are on zoom that hannah <clears throat> made the great comment that jonah was baptized right and that's exactly right and that as he did that i'm going to end up talking about baptism at some point too um that's a great point mike but as he did that he was he was bo- he was born into participating in the mission of God, like reborn. It's so beautiful. It's so incredible. I mean, I can go back and we can look at the Egyptians and we can see the Israelites that were baptized into the Red Sea and they came forth. Like, God does that. That's incredible that Hannah said that. Her parents are, must be pretty good parents. I don't know. Oh, Bonnie. Got to get shout out Bonnie. Um, it's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Mike. really appreciate that. So let's actually get into chapter 3. But let's think, like, for us, 
for us to participate in God's mission, oftentimes, I mean, we have to, we have to, we have to go through a death. That's why Jesus says, if you decide to, if you, do, if you want to follow me, take up your cross daily, follow me. Like, it's just, there's a daily death that we have to to self, because our self wants to rise up and our self wants to, let's just be real, I would rather watch Netflix and I would rather, I don't have Netflix, Hulu or whatever I have, um, I would rather chill at home than, than be out and doing tough things. Like, this is a tough call that Jonah ha- that God has to Jonah, but it's a beautiful call and it brings renewal. Me sitting at home watching Hulu isn't bringing anything to anybody except for myself. Verse 10 of chapter 2 says, Then the Lord spoke to the fish and spewed Jonah out upon dry land. So that's where we left off, is that Jonah is now spewed upon the dry land. Now verse 3, chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I'm going to stop there for just one second, because as I read this, I think it was this morning, the Holy Spirit was just so powerfully heavy on my heart, reminding me that Jonah had already received the word of the Lord. Jonah had ran completely away, and the Holy Spirit was like, listen, that didn't disqualify, that did not remove his calling. So just because he screwed up, just because he ran away from the calling that God had on his life, it didn't mean that God said, oh, I'm done with you, Jonah, you can't do it. And I just felt like there were some people that need to hear, like, you may have messed up in your life. Or maybe you felt this strong call to, early in your walk with God, and you're like, man, I'm just do it. And then you just kind of got into life and been doing it. And just because you've done that and ran away from that doesn't mean God said, well, you don't have to do it anymore. Right? He wa- this, this is an encouragement. <laughs> and he's saying that that call hasn't been removed from your life, we know the call that God has for the people of God, for us as a church to, to be missional, to go and to make disciples and all these things that we talk about all the time. That call, because if we haven't participated, doesn't mean it's removed. And if we've done bad things, it doesn't mean we're disqualified. You may have screwed it up, like I have. I wish I could go back to like my 20 years ago self when I was 18 years old, just getting on fire, just ready to go for Jesus and be like, dude, don't do this. This was really stupid. You made a mistake here. You screwed that up over there. Don't start this thing like this. I made tons of mistakes. I've made tons of mistakes, and I continue. I will continue to. Hopefully, not as many. Hopefully, I get some wisdom over the years. But just because you've that's happened to you, it doesn't mean hey, I'm done. God's not done. As many times as Israel rejected and screwed up, God said, "Nope, you haven't lost. Like <laughs> my calling is still on you, Israel." I don't care if you like it or not. (laughs) Jonah obviously didn't like the calling, and God said, it's still on you, man. You still got to do it. So verse 2 says, he said, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. Greg said this last week. Uh, I love this. Uh, Back in chapter 1, this is the same thing that God really tells Jonah to do. He says to get up. He says, arise, go. And I think that this is really powerful because God doesn't say sit and stay put. God doesn't say, hey, send ambassadors to Nineveh and bring them to Israel and I will speak my word to them. He says, go to the darkness. (laughs) He says, go to the wickedness. Like, arise. Now that you have been reborn, now that you have gone through these waters of baptism, you have something to do. Like, and it's not just go to church. You know, like, you have a job. We have a job. And that job wasn't like something super like exciting and fun. You know, it wasn't like, hey, you know, 
I got a job for you. He makes $200,000 a year, you know. There's nothing wrong with making $200,000 a year if you're using it for the Lord. I don't want anyone to say it. But my, my point being that it wasn't, it wasn't something easy. It was a very difficult calling. It was a challenging calling. Why? But why? Because God loved the people of Nineveh. He cared for them. He cared for those wicked pagans that worshipped other gods. It's so easy for us to look around at our culture, our society, even look at our city, and just almost like Jonah, just say, forget them. They deserve it. We wouldn't say that. But we basically say that with our actions. Like, well, you know, they did it to themselves. And we cry out oftentimes, God, let your justice come. Let your justice come, God. You know why God delays his justice? Because he doesn't want any to perish. Like, there are places where he does his justice is released onto the earth. But like, when there is delayed justice, God can, he has mercy and compassion. And that's this... You know, the guitar that John says. You've got the justice, you have the mercy, the compassion. These are all the characteristics, the tension that God has. It's so beautiful and it's so wonderful. And yes, there are moments whenever we are used as God's instruments to release justice onto this earth. There's time for that. But there's also time when God goes, I really, I really, I really want these people to turn. And I need to give them another chance. God gave me. How many chances has God given us? I mean, ridiculous amount. Sometimes I go, God, this is, this is getting ridiculous. I don't know how many times I have to screw up in this area of my life. And you still, <laughs> you, you still are there and you're still having your compassion. You're still having your mercy on me. Jonah had a mission to go do, to go into wickedness and to proclaim this message because God cared about these wicked people. If God didn't care, he wouldn't have done it. Verse 3 says, so Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So here is the part of repentance, because repentance means to, to turn. It means to change. It doesn't mean to say, I'm sorry. So there's a part of repentance that he's actually, at least in this situation, turning back and going to do what God says and tells him to do. In that verse, it still says, Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three days walk across. So Jonah had to go proclaim a very difficult message for at least three days as he walked across Nineveh. Who would want to do that? Seriously, like, that'd be rough. Like, you're going into a wicked place, and what is he proclaiming? Verse 4 says, Jonah began to go into the city, going on a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So this is, Jonah was a fire and brimstone preacher. Uh-oh, I'm going to step on toes there. Yeah, he, this was the message that God gave him. Sometimes God's message is, I love you and you're amazing and all this good stuff. And sometimes it's, hey, here's an area of your life or people of God, here's an area you need to improve on. He's like a good teacher or a good coach, right? Like, I can't just be like, oh, sweetie, you're so good at this all the time. And God stretches us. He grows us. He's a good God. He knows there's more in us and he's pulling it out. And here, this was a message like, hey, Justice is coming because God is a just God. Here it was about to flow out in God's destruction of the city of Nineveh. But prior to, he's going to give them one more chance. And so Jonah has to go and he has to declare a hard message. We have, to, we have to do that sometimes, right? We have to do that with our friends. We have to do it, you know, with coworkers. Like, it, there's ways to do things. But this is truth. This is reality, right? It's going to be overthrown. Verse 5 shows us one of the reasons Jonah probably didn't want to go in the first place. Because I'm going to guess he had an inkling that this might take place and that this might happen. It's comical 
the way Nineveh responds versus often the way Israel responds. Now, Israel didn't always respond poorly. You have like King Josiah. You have at times of renewal and times of repentance. You have these things. So we're not here to, to bash that. But oftentimes they didn't and they would get captured by the Assyrians or, <laughs> or by the Babylonians. Nineveh's response was, and the people of Nineveh believed God. So they, they chose to, first of all, they had to believe the message that was given. Any, any of us, it would be so easy just to kind of go, well, pfft. Oh, there goes Jonah, that guy. He's, just, he's, got, he's one of those preachers that has those fire words, you know, and just ignore him. We've, I've, I think we all have seen that, right? Maybe we've said that before in the past. I've heard those preachers, only, God only says positive things. I don't know. You've got to read the Bible. <laughs> This was positive in a sense, I guess, for the people of, of Nineveh, if, if, if they would respond. So they had to believe God, but what was so big was that it wasn't just an intellectual belief of God that stayed in this, okay, cool, yeah, I believe that something bad's going to happen in Nineveh. It actually produced something in them. So when they believed God, they actually did something about it, Right? Just like Jonah had to go do something, like the rebirth, the renewal, the, the rebirth that took place drove Jonah to, well, fail initially, but to actually go and do something. God had a mission. God has something for the Ninevites to do. And it says, listen, this is just so powerful. He goes through just declaring, and we don't know if this was the extent of his message. We don't know if there was, uh, if there was more or if he simply cried this out over the city, over and over. I don't know. It doesn't say. It says, they proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Like, this response of these pagans, of these Gentiles, they don't even have the presence of God. They're not even around the temple or Jerusalem or anything like that. They hear that there's destruction coming to their city, and they decide, oh my goodness, we are going to fast. Everyone great and small, like as a people, as a nation, as we are going to fast before, they don't even know who this God is. They don't. They never even use the term Lord here, like the fishermen did or whatever they were, the people on the boat, probably were fishermen. They're kind of groping in the darkness, trying to go, oh man, I'm not sure what's going on, but we're going to do, we're going to do something. Great and small, they put on sackcloth. Sackcloth was rough material that you could make sacks out of. That's why it's called sackcloth. It'd be like the whole people saying, going into mourning and saying, we're going to fast, and they go and they take, we take off all the Gucci that everyone's wearing around here and the Armani. Does anybody have it? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I'd rather talk to you. But taking off our, our, you know, the clothes our, that we've been wearing and putting on like tattered garments to, and to go into this morning. And what's even more powerful is that in verse 6 it says, when news reached the king of Nineveh, go research king of Nineveh and you can have fun with that. Because this is the only place in history that mentions the phrase king of Nineveh. So it might have been the king of Assyria. It could have been a ruler. It's interesting. Okay. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. Think about this. This is a powerful ruler here. He hears that this message of destruction is taking place. He sees that his people are humbling themselves 
Great song for this, right? They've humbled themselves in the sight of the Lord. They've put on sackcloth. They've put on ashes. Well, it'll say ashes here, the king was second. He rises from his place of authority. That's what the throne represents. He humbles himself, knowing that destruction is coming. He rises from his throne. He removes his expensive robe, exchanges that, covers himself with sackcloth, and he covers himself in ashes, humbling himself before God. This was very convicting to me this week. Like, I thought whenever there's things that have come into my life, or even for my city, have I, have I gone into serious prayer like this, <laughs> serious humbling myself, serious intercession even before the Lord to say, God, we need you, we need you, we need you, God. We know that you don't want the people of Nineveh to perish. We know that you don't want the people in our city to perish, God. We want to partner with you and cry out for them. We don't want to be like that. He not only sits in sackcloth and ashes in his response, but then he, has, he proclaims, he has a proclamation. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh by the decree of the king and, and his nobles. Listen to this. this is, listen to what he says. No human being or animal. Isn't that interesting? No herd or flock shall taste anything. So this is a, a decree from the king don't even feed your animals. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Why does he mention the animals, the herds, the flocks? We've seen, like, I think th- this would be weird to us, right? What if he said, guys, we're going to fast for Mitchell Nielsen. Don't feed your dog, okay? Don't feed your cat. How about that? How would you feel? You'd be like, John is a little bit crazy. You're like, uh, well, John, we were with you f- for a while, but... <laughs> Let's go talk to the shepherds. But here's the thing. In, their, in this agrarian culture, this was their economy. Like, this was like your flocks, your, your, your cattle, all this, your livestock, all this stuff, the grain, all these things that you have. This is the way that you buy and sell and, and live your livelihood. So they humbled themselves so, so much that they said, God, wherever you're at, we, we, we humble our entire beings. We humble our entire economy to you. <laughs> it's, it's yours. We stop work in fasting and praying and crying out. How powerful. How powerful is it that this pagan nation, they don't deserve God's grace, responds in this incredibly beautiful way. It even says uh, human beings and, and animals shall be covered with sackcloth. Not only do I declare that you shouldn't feed your dog and cat, you need to put some sackcloth on them too. You would think, what in the world? Isn't that crazy? It shows the extreme. Like this is, they believe God and they humbled themselves and they humbled their economy, they humbled their persons, they humbled everything. And it says, and they shall cry mightily to God. So they're called to prayer, to petition, to cry to God in complete humbleness. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. So not only are they called to fast, to, to, to pray, they're actually called to, to do something in changing their life. This is true repentance, right? 
like, hey, stop the evil. We're going to stop. This, this is incredible. This city would become the capital city of Assyria. Imagine if they had not humbled themselves. We would not be talking about this right now. This is real. This, wasn't, this isn't a fairy tale. You know that, right? This is an actual real thing that took place. But because they humbled themselves before God, because they cried out before the Lord, because they actually changed the way that they were doing things, something awesome happens. But verse 9 says, who knows? Who knows? Like, that's what I'm saying. It almost feels like they're like, let's just let's do what we can. And that's in such contrast to Israel, who knows God, who knows the presence of God, who knows the law of God, who knows the character of God. And even though they have all that, many, much of the time they are seen walking away from the purpose and call of God. And here's this Gentile nation who doesn't even know what God, who God is, humbling themselves, giving up their economy, doing everything they can to walk towards God and to repent, right? This is why, like, I... I think, you know, Jesus says words like the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors are getting into the kingdom before these people of God. Like, these rough people, these wicked people, you know, oftentimes these types of people are the ones that are the most incredible warriors for the kingdom. (laughs) The most incredible people. Like, I was having a conversation with some people the other day, and they were saying, some, they're rough around the edges too oftentimes. They were saying, who is your Samson in your ministry? What that means is God fulfilled some really cool stuff. He went after the Philistines and did a great, great work against them. But Samson, to get there, just messed stuff up all along the way. Anyone know like that? Anyone know anyone like that? Like they were talking about who is the person that probably cusses a little too much, that probably drinks a little too much, you know, that... There's a lot of things I could probably say right now. But you know what? They're actually doing what God tells them to do. (laughs) And people are coming into the kingdom through that person. I kind of get that sense. Like, you know, it's not always like we get this idea sometimes that like we're called to be the most morally pure. We are. But we ignore the fact that God calls us to go and to do. (laughs) Like, we can't just sit there and say, I don't do this, and I don't do that, I don't do that, and, and not walk in what God's call, calling us to do. That's why, man, uh-oh, talk about, I'm getting fired up, baby. I'm about, we need to preach Amos, right? Right, uh, Greg? We were talking about that the other day. That's in Amos where God, God he's talking about the day of the Lord, and, he, and Amos is crying out against the people of Israel. He says, I'm tired of your festivals. I'm tired of your singing. I'm tired of your sacrifices. Basically, do justice and righteousness. Like, Stop singing your songs. Stop getting together just to have these things. Just do what I say. God's looking for a people that will just do it. And I love that because sometimes I'm rough around the edges. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. God, uh, who knows? God may relent, change his mind so that we uh, turn away from his fierce anger uh, so that we do not perish. In verse 10, amazing. God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. I think it's really interesting that God, this verse focuses on not the fact that they fasted, not the fact that they, they cried out, though that was important, but it hones in on they changed their ways. 
Like, it hones in on the fact that they stopped. The reason why the evil and the wrath was coming was, um, the, the wrath was coming was because, excuse me, of their evilness, because of the evil city that was take place. When God saw that they were like, I'm done with this. I'm done with these evil ways. I'm done with this wickedness. I mean, can you imagine how evil this city probably was for God to do this? Think of all the wickedness that was probably going on in the city for God to send his prophet to say, all right, we're done with this. Like, <laughs> we're starting all over. Sometimes you have to have a death to bring renewal and to bring life, right? We talked about that. Like, all right, we got to start over in this area over here or just be done with the, with the city of Nineveh. And yet they turned. And yet they changed. And God took away. Isn't that incredible? I would love to tell you, we'll talk next week, that Jonah was super excited about this. <laughs> and that he rejoiced in the Lord. And he doesn't. Um... But, I, but for today, I just, let's just examine our hearts. I hope that we're doing that right now. I hope we've been examined. Let's examine our hearts to think through what God has called us as a people to do, what God is calling us to do. I think that as, as individuals that are part of this group, we've, we've talked about um, how we fasted and we've prayed and we've God's given us some open doors at Mitchell Nielsen. I was over at uh, Taylor Place on Thursday and saw the works that's happening with Inner City and the people that are involved in that and stuff like that. God has given his church a mission. He has. We're not immune to it. Okay? We're, we can't just sit back and go, well, he's called for us to release the realities of his kingdom. The, uh, real, the idea that God's kingdom has come near really means something. We're ambassadors for his kingdom. We are called to go and make disciples and make disciples of Jesus. And we all have a role in that. Our role is not identical, right? It's not. I think I've screwed up in the past by assuming everyone can, does it the same way and has the same thing. But the fact that we are to all participate in this, that is the call that God has for us. And what I, I don't want to be the guy that runs, that gets comfortable. Jonah was comfortable with his life. Jonah was probably a morally pure guy, but he just didn't like the idea that God, and he was fine with staying in Israel. He was fine with going to, you know, the temple. He was fine with singing songs to God. He was fine with this, but he wasn't fine with going out and going to a wicked city and, ha and proclaiming this tough message. I don't want to be like that. I want to be, be fine with going and doing what God's calling us to do. And here's the cool thing is like God is giving us, Greg will even share with you, God is opening doors. And it's just, it's our choice. Rather, we'll turn, and I know many of us do, like this is not a, but it's our choice. What will we do with this? What will we do with what God calls us to do? Will we give it our all? You know what? We'll make a mistake. We'll screw it up. You can get mad at me, right? We'll probably make some mistakes here and there, but our hearts coming together as one to say, we want to be what God created us to be. We want to do what God called us to do. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to try to help people out that take one step forward, two steps back, and one step forward, and you're like, God, what is going on? But over time, they're slowly making progress. Like, we have those opportunities. But do we care? Like, that's the thing. God loves our city. God loves Murfreesboro. God loves Rutherford County. He wants to see broken people made whole. He wants to see wickedness changed. And he has set up, the way he has set this thing up is it's us who do it. Like that's why he's, that's why it's not, it's not, he doesn't come down. He came down in the person of Jesus for the long as he did. 
That's it. Now it's our job. And we can participate in this mission. How exciting is that? Right? I mean, it's, it's amazing. Lord. Um, Lord, I, 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 rep- I ask, Lord, for forgiveness for any time and every time. <laughs> that, Lord, that personally even I have, have walked away from your calling. Uh, Lord, forgive me. And I think this will just, me, me personally, forgive me for all the times I've screwed up. And because I've screwed up, I failed, like Jonah, to walk into your calling until you had to swallow me <laughs> to get my attention. I've done it many times, God. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to keep doing that, Father. As a people, we want to come united together and say we want to follow your path. And Lord, I'm, just, I'm grateful for the people here at Stones River. Lord, I'm grateful for the hearts here that I see want to do this, want to participate, Father, are already participating, have participated for 10, 15, 20 years here as a, as a family. And Lord, I just ask that we would continue to come together as one and listen to your voice, not run away from your calling, but run to your calling because there's a lot of people, Lord, who, Lord, when, if your justice comes, if they haven't heard the message, if they haven't seen the lifestyle, it's not going to be well for them, Father. What we do matters. Help us to understand that. If we sit, it matters. If we go, it matters. Whatever we do actually has implications. And let us be a people that go and that do. We can't do it without you. We need your power. We need your spirit. We need your presence. We need your healing. We need your restoration. Um, Jonah was a regular dude, was a guy. It was your word that changed a city. We need your word and your power and help us to be obedient to it. In Jesus' name, amen.